You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 39. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Angela Henderson from Angela Henderson Consulting. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in today. Launching, 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 launching. It is a buzzword at the moment on different social media platforms, podcasts, events, networking, you get it. But yet there are so many marketers leading businesses astray and giving a lot of wrong advice around launching. So I wanted to bring on the podcast a good friend of mine who not only I trust, but has an enormous amount of credibility to be able to talk with you listeners about launching. That amazing human is Steph Taylor from Steph Taylor Co. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the six steps for successfully launching a new product, service, or anything in between. So sit back, make yourself a mojito, and enjoy the episode. But before we get started talking about the six steps for successfully launching a new product, service, or anything in between, I'd like to share with you that this episode is sponsored by my four-day, three-night exclusive women in business retreat, where I will be focusing on helping women have the chance to connect, refocus, learn, and grow in order for that women have the ability to grow both in business and in life. My particular exclusive event will be held from October 24th through October 27th at the Gold Coast here in Queensland, Australia, and it's an exclusive event with only 50 tickets being sold. To learn more about this event, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au and simply click on Retreat. Now, let's get into episode 39 with Steph. Hello, hello, Miss Steph. Welcome to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. It is awesome to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Ange. Now, listen, we just caught up yesterday with Anita from WordFetty, and I have to say it was so awesome being able to see you face-to-face, something I think most businesses don't value as much as they should. So thank you so much yesterday. It was awesome being able to give you a hug and to catch up. Yeah, it makes such a difference catching up in person compared to like through a screen or like Instagram DM or emails or, yeah, it's so nice to actually have that human face-to-face contact. I know it's like I'm actually making like real conversation. I have to actually look people in the eye. You know, it's all very different, you know. But yeah, no, have to get out of the pajamas. <laughs> I, I have to get out of my house. How is this happening? But no, so it was so fun catching up with you yesterday. And equally as fun as you're going to be a speaker at my four-day, three-night women in business retreat in October. Yay. I can't wow. wait. It's going to be amazing because I had the opportunity to spend almost the same amount of time and maybe even longer at We Are Podcast when we were there in, it would have been October also, I think last year with Ronsley. And that's how you and I first met. And uh, yeah, we had some good times. So I'm excited to bring you on as a speaker and have some equally good times for those people who are coming to the event. Yeah, it's amazing. Like we, how many days did we hang out with, with each other over We Are Podcast? But I feel like we became really good friends really quickly. So that's like the benefit of those kinds of retreats. Hey, like it's just, there's nothing else like it. 
There's nothing else like it. And it's not just about what happens at the retreat or, or the podcast or the event or whatever it is that you're there live, but it's what happens post the event, you yeah. know, like we still stay in contact. We catch up for lunch in Brisbane when we can, we message each other on Facebook just to, you know, touch base. So there is something magical about, you know, those human elements, but we're not here to talk about the retreat today. I'll stop that. But <laughs> I am here though to talk about some exciting things about launching. But before we dive into it, one thing, there's two things. The first thing is, is I always like to get to know you a little bit more than who you are as a business owner. So yeah. I want to know, you love to travel. Tell the audience, obviously, a little bit about Steph Taylor, but then tell us a little bit about your favorite place to travel. Yeah. Okay. So I used to work in a corporate job, like I'm sure so many business owners can relate to. And I sort of got distracted by the shiny, sparkly squirrel that was business life. And <laughs> I <laughs> I know. And I decided, okay, well, I'm going to start this health food e-commerce business. And this was now well, probably about four, three or four years ago. So not that long ago. And I started working on that, started hustling. And while I was doing that, I was still working in my massive corporate finance job. So working big hours there, starting the side hustle and I burnt out really quickly. And that was, that kind of landed, that landed me in hospital for a week where I was really sick. And from there, I sort of realized that, okay, you know what? Business is about doing things smarter, not harder. And that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about. And I will touch on that a bit more when we dive into the launching. But so these days I run stephtaylor.co, which is an, it's basically where I simplify marketing for small business owners through courses, um, eBooks, my membership site and my podcast. And yeah, it's starting that business has given me the freedom that I really wanted to spend more time traveling and outside of the constraints of the four weeks of annual leave and having a product-based business where I needed to be around to ship things out. So yeah, last year I spent pretty much the whole year out of Australia traveling around and I think my favorite place was oh, probably Greece. Mm-hmm. Greece. Which, and what was it about Greece? Oh, I, it's just the slow pace. Like everyone is just so relaxed and the food is just amazing and the, the coastlines are beautiful. Like I feel, I feel a bit bad for saying that because my family's actually Italian and <laughs> they'd probably kill me for saying that I preferred Greece to Italy, but... <laughs> Like your secret yeah. is safe here. Your secret is safe stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and Greece is beautiful. I had the opportunity to travel to Greece when I was, oh gosh, no, so I just turned 40. So who knows how old, 22, 23, I think it was. And it is, it is just the people there are just delightful. And like you said, the food, like, yes, there's Greek food in Australia around the world, but just like kind of Chinese food when you go to China, the food, yeah. just, it's a different level and it is just amazing. So yeah, so I do love me a good, good Greek holiday myself. You can't beat, you can't beat a good Euros for two euros or three euros or whatever it is that you know, it costs. <laughs> so good. It's so delicious. Now, listen, we, I brought you on board today because there's a lot of different marketers out there at the moment. You've got to launch this or you've got to do this and blah, 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 blah. And it's kind of, you know, it's who do you trust? Who you not, who do you not trust? And yeah. I've known you now for a little while. I've seen what you do. And I know that there's that trustability and the credibility and you've got the authority. So I wanted to bring you on today to really talk about the six steps for successfully launching. And when I say launching, it could be launching a product. It could be launching a service. It could really be launching anything. But I wanted your expertise around those six key steps to successfully launching. But before we jump into actually the six steps of you know launching whatever it is you want to launch successfully, I want you to, if you're 
able to talk a little bit about what are the benefits of having a clear strategy before you jump into that launch phase? Yeah, definitely. So I always compare launching to going shopping at Ikea or going grocery shopping. Like you, if you go to Ikea without a list, you're going to end up spending hours there. You're going to come out with like, you're going to, you're going to walk out of there with like 10 cushions that you don't need, some beautiful lights, um, some, I don't know, shoe organizers, all of the stuff that you don't need. And you're going to get out the other end and you're going to be like, okay, that was hell, A. And B, you're going to realize that you've actually forgotten to get the one thing that you came there to get. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's like you think about how IKEA is basically a maze, right? Having a strategy behind your launch gives you that that clear path, the quickest path through there so you can get to your goals as quickly as possible rather than going all over the place, chasing the sparkly squirrels and not necessarily reaching your goal as quickly as you'd like to. Mm -hmm. And through that, I can only imagine that the other benefits come by having that clear strategy and that clear path. You're able to probably execute whatever the launch is quicker. You're potentially able to increase your sales quicker because yeah. you're sticking to the plan versus going through Ikea without a list. Yeah. And, and you get better results for the time and the energy that you're putting in because you know that you're only investing time and energy and money into the things that will actually get you results. And that's, I guess, where the whole not burning yourself out element comes into it because yes, you could try and do everything, but you're going to just exhaust yourself. You might end up sick like I was because you're burning the candle at both ends and it's just not worth it. Like it's so much more powerful to have that strategy that gets you from point A to point B with the least amount of time, money, energy possible. And also that you can replicate again and again. So if you have a successful launch, then you know that strategy works. You can go back and you can repeat that strategy again. Again and again. And then there, yeah. obviously, you could probably scale it too if you choose exactly. it or anything like that. All right. No, totally makes sense because I always want to make sure that there's a benefit. What are those benefits so that those in the audience that might be sitting there going, yes, I want to launch a podcast or yes, I want to launch a product or yes, I want to launch a service, but are there really benefits to it? So, and again, with your analogy about Ikea, anyone who's never been Ikea, I don't know, any good store <laughs> without any list and you're going to come out with something and forget the other thing. I mean, yeah. So now let's jump right into then to the six steps for successfully launching. Yeah. Can you walk us through what those six steps are? Yeah. So step one is people. Uh, step two is position. And I'll jump, I'll dive a bit more into detail into each of these steps shortly. Sure. Step three is prepare. Step four is promote. Step five is push. And step six is post-launch. Okay. So do you want me to dive a little bit deeper? Yeah, yeah, dive into, in a yeah? little bit. Okay. Let's start with people. Yeah, so people, that's basically identifying who you're launching to. So defining who your ideal customer or client is, starting to build that tribe of those people, that community, so that when you launch, you're not launching to crickets, and then starting to create a bit of a connection with them so that when it's time to launch, they actually know who you are, they, they kind of like you, they trust you, and they're actually prepared to, I don't know, hand over their money or subscribe to your podcast or whatever it is that you're launching, they're prepared to take action. Would you say, would you say when you hear people say something like this though, but I want to, I want to serve everyone because yeah, we okay. hear this often and I don't want that a lot. <laughs> I won't go off on my bandwagon. So it's always good when my guests can go off on their bandwagon. So for the listener out there, that's going, ah, Ange and Steph, they're a bit crazy today. Uh, I can still, I can launch to everyone. I don't need to go through my ideal client. What do you say to the little listener out there who might be thinking that right now? If you try to be everything to everyone, you end up being nothing to no one. Like it sounds like a cliche, but it is actually so true. You need to, it, like, it's like, what sounds more compelling, right? 
coffee for everyone or coffee for stressed out business owners who have no idea what task they need to do next? Mm -hmm. Like if you're a stressed out business owner who has no idea what task they need to do next, the second option is going to be a lot more compelling for you. Whereas the first one's a bit wishy-washy, doesn't really sell to anyone, doesn't really carve out that unique spot for you. So like you, it's, it's all about resonating with the one particular person. And then again, I would also say that you get lost because you don't have a unique selling proposition. You're just, exactly. you're just another person trying in the sea of things, trying to do what everyone else is doing. It's kind of like Seth Godin's book, the purple cow, I think it's called. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And what he talks about is, is everyone in business at the moment is like a black cow, a white cow or a brown cow. You go to a field, everyone kind of looks same, same, right? Like even though those colors are all slightly different, but what he says is, is you need to start being the purple cow. You need to stand out. You need to be different. And through that comes what you're talking about is nailing your ideal client and then being able to capitalize on that. Because if you're just like the brown, white, and you know, black cow, you're never going to really scale or grow or be super successful because you're doing just what everyone else is doing. Exactly. And that kind of leads very nicely into the second one, which is position, the second P. So that's all about crafting your messaging and bundling it together as an offer. So communicating why why your tribe need what you're launching and why they should choose you over your competitors. So really, yeah, honing in on that unique selling point, honing in in your messaging and then validating it because like you could have the best idea out there, but if nobody wants it, then you're wasting your time. Yep. And it is so true. Do you, I know when I was speaking with Chris Ducker um, and my own business coach, James Shremko, when I was looking at launching my own eight week coaching program, what one of the things they said, both of them had said was, Ange, throw a sales page up and see whether or not your product, like you've got something viable because you remember those like infrared convergences. Is that what you guys call them over here in Australia? Like those ones that are on at 11 o'clock and midnight and they'll be like, for the first 50 people that sign up, you're going to get X, Y, and Z. Well, all of those commercials, what a lot of people don't know about is they didn't actually have the product ready for dispatch. That's why in the final, it says your product would be dispatched within six to 12 weeks because what they did was, is they sold all those products as a pre-seller first to see if the demand was there. And from that, what they did is they then, as soon as they got the numbers, they then would turn it to production and then they would dispatch. So when you're also talking about positioning, there are also elements that you look at, like how to test what would be viable as a product uh, before you would say, go through an entire launch. Like what are your thoughts about that? Oh, a hundred percent. I think, and I think like going back to the pre-selling, I think that is like the biggest way to test whether something's viable. Um, obviously, it's not feasible for everything, for everything that you could be launching. Yes. Um, you can create a waiting list. You could, or, and actually I think you should sit down with people who are like your ideal customer and client or client and chat with them and find out if it's something they actually want, something they need, something they're willing to pay for. Because like there's a lot, there's a big difference between somebody saying something's a great idea and them actually wanting to pay money for it. Yes. <laughs> well, exactly. <Yeah. laughs> the whole thing is, is till they give you that credit card, especially people yeah. who like you and don't want to hurt your feelings, yes. everyone will say yes. But once you get a credit card, it starts to validate. And if you're like, you know, don't want to spend an enormous amount of money on whatever the launches that you're doing, that if all of a sudden you've got 20 people validating, it also can help with cash flow. Um, yeah. And then you're like, and it can also help jumpstart you to go, shit, I got to do this. this is, people actually want this. Let's rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. Cause you, you have no option but to deliver it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, right. and like the, the one thing I do say to say to people is never ask your family and friends for feedback on your <laughs> Never. 
ever, like never, ever do it because they will get, they will tell you what they think you want to hear, which is, yeah, that's a great idea. Even when what you really need to hear is no, that's a terrible idea. Like you need to go back to the drawing board and scrap it and start again. (laughs) Yes. 100%. Again, they're just being kind, but again, they're not business people either. They're not thinking that way. They're just like, Oh, this is my baby girl. Or, Oh, this is my best friend. She'll kill me if I tell her it sucks. So people just keep it, keep it nice. But what you really need is you need people, someone to tell you to keep it real and be real stick with you or else yeah even if them like them telling you it's a terrible idea is actually the kinder thing to do because they're saving you all of that heartache in developing a product or launching a service that nobody wants Yes. And I know a lot of times, even when clients come to me and they'll want to do some VIP coaching, I'll say, listen, I'm not hundred percent sure about this idea you're giving me, but what I will do is, is we can start to validate the idea. But if we get to month three, cause my, my VIP is six, six months, we get to month three and we can't validate this. I will tell you straight to your face that this is not going to valid. I'll give it, you know, you can get out of your contract for good to go, but there's yeah. certain things that we've got to do to validate that the product might be worthwhile, like surveying audiences, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but so many times people don't do that. They just drop 20 to 30 grand on a product and then wonder why it doesn't sell. You know, yeah, so. exactly. And so I guess that can, can also then, so we've got people first, two, we've got positioning, three, then prepare. Is that right? Yes. So preparing is all about preparing for your launch. So preparing, you're, yep. you're setting your launch goals because like, if you don't know what you want to achieve, then you can't really, you can't really achieve, set out to achieve something if you don't know what you want to achieve. Um, we also look at preparing your launch assets. So getting everything ready to go before your launch so that you're not scrambling to suddenly create sales pages and email sequences and Instagram posts like in the middle of your launch because that is like that is hands down the most stressful time so if you can have everything ready good to go so that all you're working all you're focusing on during your launch is the actual launch then like that will save you a lot of stress Yep. No, perfect. And then that leads us into promoting because obviously if you yeah. spend the time preparing all of those, you know, Instagram posts, Facebook posts, etc. I'm assuming that's where you've got to start dishing the promoting. Yeah. So there's three elements to promoting your launch and so to, it's promoting your content, promoting your opt-in and promoting your launch event. So your content is obviously the, your blog content, your podcast content, um, everything that you're putting out there that's free, value-adding, connection-building content. So you've got to promote all of that regularly and consistently. And I mean, that's typically where people will turn to social media. They'll start running paid ads to that. Next, you want to be promoting your opt-in. So your free, your lead magnet, whatever you want to call it, your free ebook, your free cheat sheet, something where somebody has to hand over their email address in order to get it. So you can actually get them onto your email list and start building that audience ahead of your launch. Yeah. And then the last element of promoting is promoting your launch event. So the launch event, the type of launch event that you run will depend on what you're launching, but it might be something like a webinar. It might be a live event, like an in-person media launch. Um, it's basically the event that triggers the entire launch or the entire launch process. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, if you're running a webinar, it might be a webinar that announces that doors are open, or it might be a Facebook live that announces your new website is open for business. And for the next seven days, people get free shipping or something that sort of, that, that triggers it all. Okay. So yeah. You want to be promoting that. You want to start building up hype for that launch event before you even get to the, in the pre-launch phase, essentially. Yes. Because the more people that you can get to that launch event in person, the better the results are going to be. 
Yeah, which makes sense. More bums yeah. on seats, higher chance of conversion. Less bums on seats, maybe not so much. Exactly. And when people are there live, because you're trying to, in your launch event, you're going to try and have some element of urgency. So it might be the that you've got 48 hours to buy and get a discount, or it might be that you get a free gift if you're one of the first 50 people to buy. So because of that urgency, if people are there live, they're much more likely to hit go just because they're afraid of missing out. Yes. Yeah. Again, it's that fear factor, isn't it, really? Exactly. Like, ah, I mean, we, we, hate, we hate missing out. It's a natural yes. thing. <laughs> it it's like, no, I just yes. that one more thing. <laughs> so tell me, um, how does it, so then once you've done the promoting and then there's those three components underneath about the content, the umpton and how you're going to do it live, what, what does the push mean then? So the push is like the big... It, to put this into like your terms, because you, you're very familiar with all the online courses and the cart open, cart close. If you were launching an online course, this would be the time between cart open and cart close. Okay, yep. If you have just announced that you've launched your online store, it might be the week that you're offering free shipping or the week that you're offering free gift with purchase. It's like that big week where you're trying to really build as much buzz around the launch, try and get as many people into, into becoming new customers and yeah, it's for me, I think that's the most fun time. For most people, it's probably the most stressful time. <laughs> yep. And would you say with the push for those people that don't know, can you talk a little bit about more about what cart open and cart close mean? Like you and I know that, but some of the listeners out there might not know that. Yeah. So you tend to see this most commonly with digital products. So online courses and I guess masterminds and those sorts of things, but it's it's the window of time between when somebody can buy. So the cart will open and then people are able to sign up for the course or the mastermind or whatever it is. And then they have until when the cart closes. And then once that cart closes, they can't sign up until the next time it opens. So you'll typically find with those things that the majority of people will sign up in the last like three hours. So you might, you might think like, oh, my launch is going so badly. Nobody's signing up. Nobody's signing up. And then you send out that last email with three hours to go and suddenly everyone signs up because they don't yes. want to miss out. <laughs> yeah. And people sometimes, again, would you agree that depending on the cost of a product or the cost of like that launch, whatever it is that people are buying will also depend on how you've got to warm them up? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's going to take a lot more trust building to get somebody to hand over $10,000 for something than it would to get them to hand over $100. Yes. Yeah. And again, and it, it's just, yeah. So I'm assuming then when you're looking at that promoting stage and things like that, you're looking at those kind of cold, warm and hot audiences to kind of see like what we need to do to, to really speed up that process. Yeah. Well, so the way that I look at it, look at it is when you're promoting your content, that's more to the cold audiences. Yep. Promoting your opt-in is to cold and warmer audiences. And then yeah. you're promoting your launch event to those warm and hotter audiences. Gotcha. And somebody who attends your launch event is a pretty hot. Yeah. Pretty, like, pretty we're ready to lead. go. They yeah. got the credit card out. They just need to put the numbers in. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So with the, the six steps for successfully launching stuff, are there people out there? Cause I always get asked, this sounds great. It might work for me. It would probably work for me, but are there people that you're like, actually this wouldn't work for? Yeah. So the one, the one business type that I think this wouldn't work for, and it, like, I mean, there might be exceptions, but I can see most it wouldn't work for would be large B2B large B2B businesses. So if they're reaching out to big corporations or 
it's they're really in a space where business is done based on networks, so based mm-hmm. on who you know, not um, not really like thought leadership and content and all sure. of that. It's rather just like referrals, those sorts of businesses it wouldn't work for. Yep. And now you mentioned about um, in your story about the burnout and launches can be quite stressful for people. Yes. So is there, once you launch, what would you say, like, would, would you suggest that people would keep launching or would you suggest that eventually people are going to launch, test, launch, test, and then potentially evergreen that so that it's a lot less stressful? What are your thoughts about that? It depends so much on what it is that they're launching with, uh, and also on whether you enjoy launching. Yeah. Um, so if you're launching something like a digital product, then yeah, definitely you can evergreen that. But if you're launching something like, um, I don't know, a new service offering, you're not going to be keep, you're not going to keep launching that service offering again and again and again. You do ultimately want to start putting into place a funnel that will lead people into working with you on that service offering. So I guess that is evergreening it in a way, but you're not going to keep launching that over and over. But when you do launch another new service offering, you want to launch that live. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And for those people out there, again, you and I know Evergreen. Do you want to explain to them what Evergreen mean is? Yeah, it's basically automated. So you're not, anyone can sign up at any time. It's not like you're holding that launch event live. That launch event is pre-recorded. Somebody attends that launch event and then that sort of triggers all of the things that happen after that launch event, the emails, the um, the ads, whatever it is that tries to get, that gets you into buying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you, so, and again, and for those people who are scaling their businesses, evergreen is great. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of greatness about it and there's obviously pros and cons, but it will probably be another whole entire podcast. So we won't go too much into that. <laughs> you know, for those people out there, like, okay, great stuff. This sounds great. I've got a podcast I'm about to launch. Or I've got a new product I'm about to launch. Is there a particular budget that you think people need in order to be able to launch successfully? It depends on what you're launching, <laughs> which is probably not the answer you wanted. Um, I mean, it really, it does depend on your what you're launching and what your goals are as well, because you can launch with a small budget, but you just have to realistically adjust your goals. You have to know that, okay, maybe with a thousand dollar budget, you're not going to sell a thousand units of your product in your launch. And you just, you accept that. Yes. And I think again, I know when I launched my eight-week program last year, there was, I kind of had like my bottom end, woohoo, this would be great. I had my middle end kind of KPI and then I had my like big hairy ass goal at the end going, okay, this is what I I needed. And then we had a worksheet that we worked around like how much we'd have to spend for ad spend, how many leads we would have on our current list, how many leads we would need to get and so forth and so forth. But I think again, one of the things that I took away is is whenever you're launching a new product to your either warm or hot audience, um, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to buy it very quickly because the thing is, is you're introducing something new to them. And so for example, I've been doing VIP coaching this entire time with women in business and now I'm launching an eight week program. So even though we did have a a slight success, it wasn't as successful as I thought, but I was glad that a friend of mine had told me that they said, Ange, just know the first launch might not be your bells and whistles that you want it to be because it's something completely new and your audience has to get to no longer just seeing you as a one-to-one coach, but also as an eight-week coaching program. Um, So that was super helpful for me. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. And I think it can also be really difficult the first launch when you don't have those testimonials, you don't have those, that social proof. Um, If it's a product, you don't have like the 
user-generated content, so the photos that people have taken of your products and uploaded to Instagram or like the before and after photos or any of that, you, you don't have any of that social proof when you're launching. So you're really relying on your existing audience, trusting you enough and trusting that you can deliver what you're, whatever you're launching. But also though, but I can't, I can't emphasize enough that for those that are like going, oh, well, I'll just roll with it and just test something. I'm like, no, you actually need to follow these six steps for successfully having a launch because so many people will go, ah, well, I'll just test it. I'll just do it. But again, people don't actually know what they don't know. So I see many times people just throwing random freaking launches up there and then moaning and groaning about it later but I'm like but where is your strategy yeah and I can't emphasize enough about these six steps for successfully launching we haven't we haven't dived into step six which is yeah the post part of it (laughs) so again so we've got into the part where okay they've they've come up with it they found their ideal client they've crafted their message they've looked at their goals they've looked at their assets they've looked at how they're promoting they've pushed it open now okay we've got now that assessment phase is what I'm assuming post is you're looking post event to see what worked and what didn't work is that right yeah so you're you're looking yeah you're looking at what worked what didn't work and then what insights you can take from that into future launches because it's all well and good being like okay yay I've launched the launch is done but you might've made massive mistakes. You might've had like really like bits in the launch where people were dropping off like crazy and you lost out on a lot of people and you don't want to make those mistakes again. But so while you might not want to look at your launch, you might just, you might finish it and be like, okay, done, dusted, do not want to deal with that again. It's so important that you actually do go back and look at it. No, like it was the most important element when we launched last term yeah. because we, again, in my instance, uh, I outsourced as we just talked about on your podcast, actually, I outsource <laughs> a lot. So in that particular instance, and I'm always sharing my numbers, we, I invested about $40,000. Now, for those of you out there going, I don't have $40,000, please don't freak out. You do not need $40,000 to launch. Okay. Let's make that very clear. Yeah, you do not. But what I did find though is, is that our biggest problem was, is that we hired a Facebook team of people who actually Mm. didn't know what they were doing. We had to pull them mid-launch, right? And do blah, 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 blah. So what I'm saying is, is when we were able to dissect that post, your step six of your steps for successfully launching, it was so powerful to go, okay, what do we actually need to do three or four months before we launch next versus to be being dependent on just the launch, do you know what I mean, kind of strategy to warm those clients? Um, I can't tell you, like it was probably my favorite part of launch, to be honest, because it gave so much data points about what to do next time, what worked, what didn't work. Um, it was super, super crucial, but equally insightful. Yeah, I think that's, it, it's like the most important part, a hundred percent. And yeah, it is quite enjoyable as well because you, in a way, it's almost like you're reflecting on your wins. Totally. And like, going, okay, yeah, fist pump, we did this or, oh no. Like, and some things like you miss, like you don't even actually realize that it was something that was crucial. Like I'm trying to yeah. think of an example. Uh, oh, one of our registration pages on one of the links wasn't working, right? Oh, but, no. And so like, even though we had tested it from like our other registration pages were working, but because we were in the middle of launch, right? We yeah. had like, and we had tested it previously, but something happened mid-launch. But then afterwards, when we went back, okay, well, why did these other registration pages do so well? And this one didn't. It was that was the problem is there was something wrong with whatever, however we had hooked up or whatever, when it went eventually was live. So it was hugely insightful to go, okay, next time we launch, we're going to make sure that we're testing this every single day to make sure that we don't have any genuine problems um, throughout, throughout, you know, that open card and all that type of stuff. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And even like if you're testing different messaging and ads and like, that's a really good way to see what kind of messaging people resonate with best. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like if people are resonating with message A more than they are with message B or message C, you want to tailor like all of the copy throughout all your pages, everything so that it's at message A. And for, and because you need to know what, where they resonate with. What is it that resonates most with them? Because again, if you find that one key messaging, then hello, cha-ching, it's a lot easier to get them over the line. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I feel you, like that's everything in selling to somebody as well. <laughs> but it's also like that match, you know what I mean? Like, does your message and our product match to your audience? And so many yeah. times there's not a match, you know, it's like incongruent. People aren't getting it. And so important to go back again to what I talk about, a lot of those foundational stuff. And that inclusive of in a launch, go back to those foundational frameworks, those basics, and mm-hmm. then build on that because you it will be a lot more successful than it, you know, I mean, trying to, you know, be all fancy. Oh, 100%. 100%. With <laughs> your six steps for successfully launching. Now, I know you and I know that you can launch a product, you can launch a service, you can launch a podcast. What are other things that people potentially could be launching? So if they're out there going, oh, I don't know if this fits for me. Yeah, like they could be launching a new blog, a new uh, YouTube channel, a completely new business, new service offering, um, new yeah, new online courses, new membership sites, literally anything that you could be launching follows yep. the same structure. It might not be the exact same steps within that structure because obviously like launching an online course is a bit more intensive than say launching a podcast or launching a right. blog, yep. but it's the exact same framework. Yep, that you would follow these six steps to have that successful launch. Yeah. Yep. No, perfect. Now, if those people out there, they're like, okay, great, I'm I'm in launch mode or launching this new product or launching this new service is on my cards for this particular, you know, calendar year or it's one of their goals, where can they find out more about how you can help them through their their launch strategy? Yeah, sure. So I will be launching <laughs> launching. Launching. <laughs> <laughs> A course about launching. So yeah. <laughs> just in case that wasn't confusing, I'll be <laughs> launching that mid mid year. So around June 2019. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, they can head to stephtaylor.co forward slash launch to download my complete roadmap for a killer launch. Dives a bit more in depth into some of the points that we've spoken about today. And they can also head to my podcast, which you can find by searching socialette. So social ETT in any of the major podcast apps. Which is amazing because I think, was it just last week you hit 200,000 downloads on your podcast, which is super fun. I know that was unexpected. But how exciting because how long have you had the podcast out for? Since May 2018. So that's what, like nine months, I think. That is like crazy talk. Amazing. Yes. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked with that. Like it's been probably the best, actually, no, it's been hands down the best thing I've done for my business. Yeah. In podcasts, and we could talk about that for, that's a whole other day, but don't even get started. also are thinking about, you know, could a podcast be part of this six steps framework that Steph talks about? Absolutely. And if you are looking at podcasting, I would strongly suggest that this is something that you would team up with Steph to help you in on launching because watching her this last year and meeting her at We Are Podcast, she definitely knows a thing or two about launching a successful podcast. Other launches also, but her podcast knowledge, you know what I mean, is yeah, if you're sitting on that podcast idea and that's what you want to launch this year, then you need to be joining her when she goes through these six steps for running a successful launch because it will be epic. 
Thanks, Ange. Yes. Now, listen, where else uh, they can find you? Obviously, your website. They, what are your social handles if they want to follow you on social? Yeah. So I'm stephtaylor.co on Instagram and on Facebook as well. All right. Too easy. Now, for the rest of you that are wondering how you can get access to these show notes, they will be done by my team and posted at angelahenderson.com.au. And for the rest of you, I'd love for you to join my Australian Facebook group called Australian Facebook group. That didn't come out right. Join my Facebook group <laughs> on the Facebook platform called the Australian Business Collaborative, where we've got close to 5,000 members in there. It's an amazing group filled with awesome women and men from around the world. So I'd love for you to join us for there. But if not, for the rest of you, have an awesome day, no matter where you are in the world. And thank you so much, Steph, for joining us today. For an thank epic you so much for having me. Of launching. So thanks for that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au